Heavenly Father, we thank you for the great privilege it is to come with brothers and sisters in Christ and to worship you in song, in prayer, but also in hearing your voice through the pages of your word. Lord, we pray that we may be attentive listeners this morning. May you speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. And may we be able to be changed and transformed to be more like your son Jesus Christ and to love him all the more dearly as a result of looking at him this morning in your word. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, we all love to compare things. We love to see what is greater than other things. And children will do this as well. I see my children comparing food portions. They will compare particularly how much uh, one of them has in comparison to the other child. And this can be uh, something they want less if it's the mains, whereas if it's dessert, they're jealous of the other person if they have more. And they even do this in comparing one another. They compare each other. And we took one of our children to the park this week and uh, they went up on top of the uh, the play equipment and proclaimed to the world, the whole park, and it was a busy park at the time, I am the tallest. I am the tallest. I am bigger than dad. I am bigger than mum. I am bigger than everyone because I am up on this uh, piece of equipment. And we recognize this, that some people are greater, some people are taller than us, not just in terms of physical, uh, that they're, they're taller than us physically, but that they're also taller than us in other ways. And that's what we're going to be looking at this morning as we study the chapter 7 of Hebrews, which has we've been looking at previously and looking at this person called Melchizedek. Melchizedek, and looking at how he is the greatest. He is the tallest in the Old Testament. Well, who is this Melchizedek? If you haven't been before or you need your memory jogged a bit, well, Melchizedek is this person who is mentioned for us in verses 1 to 3, and given us a, the author of Hebrews gives us a little summary there of who he was. And we can read that in verse 1 of chapter 7 of Hebrews. So if you've got a black church Bible, that's a pa- found on page 1187. 1,187, first one of chapter 7 reads, This Melchizedek was king of Salem and priest of God Most High. He was a king and he was a priest. He was the king of Salem and he was a priest of God Most High. And we also know that he met Abraham returning from the defeat of the kings and blessed him. Abraham went out and defeated a number of kings and... Melchizedek comes out to him and blesses him and then Abraham gave this man Melchizedek a tenth of everything. And then we see a little bit of unpacking about who Melchizedek is by his names. It says first his name means king of righteousness, which is the the way the word Melchizedek in Hebrew is translated. It actually means king of righteousness. And and then also king of Salem means king of peace. Salem being uh, Hebrew for uh, peace, the word for peace, shalom. And we also saw that he is without father or mother, without genealogy, without beginning of days or end of life, like the Son of God, he remains a priest forever. So basically you've got this guy in the Old Testament who pops up out of nowhere and blesses Abraham as he comes back from a battle. And last time I spoke on this subject, we saw that Melchizedek was indeed great from what we learn in the Old Testament. And that's what verse 4 begins to go down that track of of the greatness of Melchizedek. Verse 4 says, just think how great he was. And that's what we've been trying to do, is think how great Melchizedek was. And last time we saw he was great because even the patriarch Abraham, as it says in verse 4, even the patriarch Abraham gave him a tenth of the plunder. 
And so we saw that as Abraham gave a tenth of his plunder, that signified that Melchizedek was indeed a great person because Abraham is the patriarch of the Old Testament and you don't give a tenth to anyone. A tenth is a lot. You don't give a tenth when you give a birthday present to someone. You don't give a tenth of all that you have to them. A tenth is a lot. Ten percent is a great amount. And so the fact that Abraham gave a tenth to this man Melchizedek means that Melchizedek is very great. Now you may be saying, well, why are we focusing on Melchizedek? Why is the author of Hebrews so fixated upon Melchizedek and his greatness? Well, in future weeks we're going to see that, that this is unpacked for us more from verse 11 on, that Melchizedek is representing a priesthood that Jesus is a part of. Jesus cannot be a priest of the tribe of Levi where priests usually come from because Jesus is not a descendant from Levi. He's a descendant of uh, Judah who is Levi's brother. So he cannot come from Levi. So that means that Jesus' priesthood is in doubt if he's not from the tribe of Levi. But the author of Hebrews is wanting to make clear that Jesus is of a priesthood, a different priesthood, the priesthood of Melchizedek, who came before Levi. And if Jesus is a part of that priesthood, and that priesthood is actually a greater priesthood than that of Levi, then we should belong to Jesus rather than belong to a system which has Levi, Levitical priests, as offering the sacrifices on your behalf. So the whole point of focusing on Melchizedek is to show the greatness of Jesus as a priest in the order of Melchizedek. If Melchizedek is great, then Jesus is great, and that means Jesus' sacrifice for our sins is great, and there should be no one else that we follow other than Jesus Christ. He should be the one that we focus on if he is from a priesthood that is far greater than any other priesthood that comes after that priest, Melchizedek. So, we've seen initially in verses 4, 5 and 6, when I last spoke, that Melchizedek is indeed a great person in the Old Testament. But the author is not done by saying Abraham paid a tenth and so Melchizedek is great. No, he wants to show us other ways that Melchizedek is great and therefore Jesus is great as a priest in the order of Melchizedek. And that's what we're going to be looking at this morning. We're going to be looking at three other ways that Melchizedek is great. And they are given to us in verses 7, 8 and 9. And you can follow on the back of the church bulletin as I unpack those. And that's my first, and so my first one this morning, my first main point is Melchizedek is great because he blessed Abraham. Melchizedek is great because he blessed Abraham. And we understand this, that when someone blesses somebody else, it reflects that the other person is inferior to the person giving the blessing. And we see this is said to us in verse 7 of Hebrews chapter 7. It says, And without doubt, the lesser person is blessed by the greater. When someone blesses somebody else, it's usually that the person is superior to the other person that is getting blessed. Now, you can bless someone that is superior. And a good example of that is all the references in the Old Testament to people blessing God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now how can you do that if blessing is always associated with inferior person is receiving the blessing, the superior person is giving the blessing? Does that mean that then we're superior to God? Of course not. 
But when we bless someone who is greater than us, it's not so much that we're blessing them and, and, and giving them something good. It's more that we're praising them, that we're honouring them. And so there's that other connotation that we can see with the word bless. But when it comes to two human beings blessing one another, we generally understand that if it's a superior person blessing the inferior person, that is demonstrated by that blessing. That it is superior people who bless inferior people. Because a blessing is where you call on God, you intercede on someone else's behalf for God to bless that person. You don't actually give the blessing, you're instead interceding so that God will bless that person. And what you generally understand is you want someone superior who has a better contact with God to then give the blessing because they can intercede on your behalf. You want the best possible person to, to go to God on your behalf and obtain blessing. And so we see here that when Abraham and Melchizedek meet, we can determine who is greater by who does the blessing and who receives the blessing. And so what happens when Abraham and Melchizedek meet? Well, it is Melchizedek who does the blessing and Abraham who receives the blessing. And we see that in verse 6. It says, This man, however, did not trace his descent from Levi, yet he collected a tenth from Abraham and blessed him who had the promises. If you go back to the Old Testament and you read this very short account about Abraham and Melchizedek, we see quite quickly that it is Melchizedek who is in charge, he is greater, because of the way that he blesses Abraham. And this is quite surprising when you consider who Abraham is. He is the great patriarch of the Old Testament who has the promises of God. And the author of Hebrews wants to remind us of that in, the, in verse 6. It says, This man, however, did not trace his descent from Levi, yet he collected a tenth from Abraham and blessed him, blessed him who had the promises. Very interesting. What is he getting at there by saying, who had the promises? Why does he include those words? Because the author wants you to remember that Abraham is the great guy of the Old Testament, the guy who's meant to be a blessing to everybody else. Not receiving blessing, but being a blessing. If you actually go back to Genesis chapter 12 and look at the, the promises given to Abraham, turn with me now to that uh, page 11 of your church Bibles, Genesis chapter 12. Page 11, verse 1, Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, it says, The Lord had said to Abraham, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. And then we get the blessing, uh, the, the promises of God that are being referred to in Hebrews chapter 7. What are the promises given? Verse 2 of Genesis chapter 12, page 11. I will make you, that's God, I will make you, Abraham, into a great nation and I will bless you, I will make your name great and you, you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. We see that these promises are given to Abraham that he will be blessed by God, but also that not just Abraham will be blessed in the world, but that through Abraham, blessing will come to other people. And yet when we see Abraham encounter Melchizedek, it's not Abraham who's doing the blessing, it's instead Melchizedek who's doing the blessing. 
which shows that Melchizedek must be really great if Abraham is the one who through everybody in the world is going to be blessed then Melchizedek must be even greater if he gives blessing then to Abraham and so we see here in the book of Hebrews we're reminded of the fact that the priesthood of Melchizedek is far greater than any other priesthood Melchizedek is the tallest in the Old Testament because he is the one who blesses the one who blessing is meant to come through and that person is Abraham Abraham was meant to be a blessing to others by his direct intercession which we see at different points in the Old Testament as well and the example being Abimelech Abimelech's household is cursed and uh, and and they cannot and none of the women in Abimelech's household can actually have children and Abraham prays to God and God opens the wombs of his, uh, his, the women in his household again. We see Abraham becomes a blessing to Abimelech. And we see that Abraham is a blessing to others. As people bless him, then they receive blessing themselves. That's part of that promise given in Genesis chapter 12. So Melchizedek is far greater than Abraham, who is the one who generally blesses people. Because Melchizedek is the one who blesses Abraham. So Melchizedek is then superior to Levi, the priesthood of Levi, because he is the one that blesses Abraham. Are there any other ways then how you see that Melchizedek is greater than Levi, that he is the tallest in the Old Testament? Well, that brings me to my second main point this morning. Melchizedek is great because he is alive. Melchizedek is great because he is alive. We saw earlier in Hebrews chapter 7 that Melchizedek appears to be this one who is eternal by the way that he is described in the Old Testament, the way that we aren't given any details about his birth and his death. And we saw that in verse 3 of Hebrews chapter 7. It says, Without father or mother, without genealogy, without beginning of days or end of life, like the Son of God, he remains a priest forever. And the author comes back to this thought in verse 8. He says, In the one case, the tenth is collected by men who die, but in the other case, by him who is declared to be living. And so what he's saying is you've got priesthood of Levi on one hand and you've got the priesthood of Melchizedek on the other hand. And the thing about the priesthood of, the, of Levi is that the people, the Levites, they keep on dying. Every Levitical priest we've seen in the Old Testament, they, they die. They go, they come, they're born, they come from Levi, they have a father, they have a mother, they have a genealogy, and then they die. Whereas with Melchizedek, he's of a priesthood that appears to always be alive. It's perpetually alive. It's an eternal priesthood because we don't have any reference to his beginning and we don't have any reference to his end. And so if Jesus is part of that priesthood, then he's part of a priesthood that is alive, not a dying priesthood, an alive priesthood. Now why is that important? Why would the author want to stress this? Well, it means that you will always, if you have a priest who is alive, you will always have someone to intercede for you. Because that's what priests do. They come between sinners and God and make atonement for their sin. They, they intercede between you and God. And if you are part of a living priesthood, an eternal priesthood, then you will always have someone who is there between you and God, making sure that you have a right relationship with God. And the author of Hebrews actually points this out to us. He actually shows this later down in the passage that 
We have a priesthood in Jesus who continues to intercede for us. In verse 25 of Hebrews chapter 7, it says, Therefore he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. He always lives to intercede for them. If you're part of that living priesthood, then you are always interceding for your people. And that's what Jesus is doing. If you are part of the priesthood of, uh, if you if you have Jesus as your great high priest, then he is always alive, living to intercede for you, just as Melchizedek appears to be of always alive. So Melchizedek is superior to Levi in that regard as well. He's superior to Levi in the fact that he blesses Abraham, the grandfather or great grandfather of Levi. And he also is superior to Levi in the respect that he is of a he's he seems to be alive, he's always eternal. Whereas the Levitical priesthood is made up of people who are born and then die, who are born and then die, who are born and then die. Is there another way that we see that Melchizedek is great, that he's the tallest in the Old Testament? Well that brings me to my third main point this this morning. Melchizedek is great because Levi submitted to him. Melchizedek is great because Levi submitted to him. It's very interesting. We see in that account in Genesis that Abraham pays a tenth to Melchizedek. But the author says it's not just Abraham who was paying a tenth that day. A lot of people were paying a tenth that day. Everybody who was in Abraham, all Abraham's descendants, were paying a tenth that day. And he draws this out for us in verse 9. Now this gets a bit tricky to understand and people get confused on this. But we'll see if we can grasp what he's saying. He says in verse 9, One might even say that Levi, who collects the tenth, paid the tenth through Abraham because when Melchizedek met Abraham, Levi was still in the body of his ancestor. Bit of a strange thought to think that you've actually been around for a longer time than when you were first conceived and born. That part of you has actually been in your ancestors right back to Adam. And that is what the author is trying to draw out here, is say, okay, Levi's good. But remember, Levi actually came from Abraham. And so technically, Levi is in Abraham's body that day when Abraham is submitting to Melchizedek's greatness and paying a tenth to him. So Levi has actually himself acknowledged the greatness of Melchizedek's priesthood. Levi has actually tithed to Melchizedek. He used the medium of Abraham, but... That's what the thought is here. And so we can tell then that Melchizedek is great because even Levi has demonstrated that he bows the knee to Melchizedek, that he submits to Melchizedek's priesthood as a superior priesthood. And so therefore, Melchizedek is the priest that you want. You want a priest from the order of Melchizedek, not from Levi. And this is what the author is trying to tell the first readers of this letter. Because remember this book was written to Hebrews, to Jews, who loved Levi. 
They loved their Levitical priests. The Levitical priests were the way of salvation. It was the Levitical priests who killed the goats and the bulls and made atonement for your sin. And it was these Hebrews who were thinking of leaving Jesus Christ, leaving Christianity because they were starting to suffer for being Christians, and thinking, let's go back to Judaism, safe Judaism, with this Levitical priesthood. And the author is saying, why on earth would you do that? When even Levi has submitted to the great high priest, Melchizedek, and that is who Jesus is a part of. It would be ridiculous to to follow someone who has actually pointed you to someone that is greater. I often think that you know, another comparison would be where people focus on John the Baptist you know, rather than follow Jesus. John tells people to, to go after Jesus. He says, I'm not the bridegroom. I'm just the friend of the bridegroom. I'm meant to point people to who the true bridegroom is. Don't follow me. Follow Jesus. He is the Messiah. And yet there are people around the world today who still follow John the Baptist. It's like they've camped out at the signpost that is pointing to where the life is. They hang around the, 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 the sign rather than actually go where the sign is pointing. And that's what Levi is doing. The Levitical priesthood was pointing to Christ. And one way that it pointed to Christ was by the way that Levi paid a tenth through Abraham to Melchizedek who is the priesthood that Jesus is a part of. And so we can see that Melchizedek is great. He is t the tallest in the Old Testament for a number of reasons, which then means Jesus is great as a priest in the order of Melchizedek. And we can actually see how Jesus parallels a number of these things that we see demonstrate Melchizedek's greatness, they also point to Jesus' greatness. And that's what I want to look at quickly now. How is Jesus great as a priest in the order of Melchizedek? And so my fourth main point this morning is Christ is great because he gives great blessing. The Levitical priests were able to intercede on behalf of the Israelites and obtain blessing. And Melchizedek, in the Old Testament, he blessed Abraham. But Jesus, in that order of Melchizedek, gives greater blessing than any Levite ever could. What does Ephesians 1 verse 3 say? It says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing, every spiritual blessing, in Christ. How do you have every spiritual blessing? It's in Christ. It's not in Levi, it's in Christ. Jesus is far greater than Levi because he's part of a priesthood that blessed Abraham, but he's also demonstrated himself that he gives every spiritual blessing. That's one way we can see Jesus is great. Why else is Jesus great in the order of Melchizedek? Well, Jesus Christ is great. My fifth main point, Christ is great because he is alive. We have to remember, Levitical priests die, but Christ is alive forever. Now, Jesus did die, but he came alive again. I haven't seen any Levitical priest do that, and he now lives forever. Jesus is alive, and he says that in Revelation 1.18. He says, I am the living one. I was dead, and behold, I am alive 
forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. And that means if Jesus is alive and part of the eternal priesthood, then he always is alive to intercede for us. And that's what I pointed out to you in that verse 25 of Hebrews chapter 7 as well. But I'll read from verse 23. We'll be reminded of it again. It says, verse 23, Now there have been many of those priests since death, there have been many of those priests since death prevented them from continuing in office. But because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. How is Jesus great as our priest? He's a priest who goes on and on. There is no one to succeed him because he always lives. Whereas that's what we saw with the Levitical priesthood. You have one for a time, then he'd die and you have to have another. Die, another, 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 another. Keep going. Jesus continues to live to intercede for you. He makes sure you're right with God. That there is always someone there between you and God to make you right with him. So we've seen Jesus is great because he gives great blessing. We've seen Jesus is great because he is alive. Why else is Jesus great as a priest in the order of Melchizedek? Well, that brings me to my sixth main point. Christ is great because all submit to him. Christ is great because all submit to him. We saw that Abraham submitted to Melchizedek and all the descendants of Abraham submitted to Melchizedek too. That's a lot of people submitting to Melchizedek. But Christ has had even more people submit to him in the priesthood of Melchizedek. Now some of you may say, hang on a minute, isn't Jesus a descendant of Abraham? So did Jesus submit to this man Melchizedek in the Old Testament? Some people raise this and say, oh, some sort of error here in the Bible. Someone didn't think too far ahead. Jesus is a descendant of Judah. Judah is the grandson of uh, of Abraham. Something's going on here. Jesus submitted to Melchizedek. So really Melchizedek, the person in the Old Testament, is the greatest if Jesus submitted to him. But remember the circumstances of Jesus' conception. Jesus wasn't conceived in an ordinary way. It was a virgin conception. Jesus is a descendant of Abraham in terms of Mary, but not through the line of Joseph. Joseph was an adopted father. And so there is a difference there. And Jesus is not just human. Jesus is also God. So we've got to be very careful when we talk about Jesus and treat him as an ordinary human being. Yes, he is human, fully human, but we've also got to remember he's fully God. And I think if we consider that he is divine and we consider his virgin conception, which many Christians will back down on these days, they will deny the virgin conception because it's just, it's just too hard to defend with non-Christians. And it's something that there's only a couple of verses in the Bible about it, so let's, let's just ignore those points. No, the virgin is very virgin conception is very important for a number of reasons, and this is one place where the virgin conception actually is helpful. When we understand that Jesus is not a direct descendant of Abraham in the sense that every other person was a direct descendant of Abraham, every other Jew. No, he's different, and so we can't say that Jesus submitted the knee to Melchizedek and so Melchizedek the person in the Old Testament is greater. 
But we do know that all do submit to Jesus from other parts of Scripture, from the New Testament. The Scriptures make very clear to us that Jesus is head not just over all people, just like um, it, uh, in the sense uh, he's not like Melchizedek who had just Abraham submit with Abraham's descendants. We see that more than just people even submit to Jesus. Colossians 2 verse 10 says, Christ is the head over every power and authority. And then Philippians 2.9 says, God exalted him, that is Jesus, to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Every knee bow, every tongue confess. We don't see that described of Melchizedek, the person in the Old Testament. We do see a, a lot of people submit when Abraham bows the knee to Melchizedek, when he pays that tithe. There's a lot of people submitting to Melchizedek, but not as many as people as submit to Jesus Christ. Everyone submits to Christ. So Melchizedek may be the tallest in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament we see that Jesus is the tallest. He is the greatest. He is better than everybody else in the order of Melchizedek. And so you would be absolutely foolish to have any other person intercede between you and God than Jesus Christ. There is no one greater. So do you have Jesus Christ as your high priest? A priest who blesses better than anybody else, who gives every spiritual blessing. Do you have a priest who is always alive and ready to intercede for you? Interesting, the people who start off other religions, they die and they don't come back to life. Jesus did die, but he's come back to life and he intercedes for you if you will have him as your priest. Do you have a priest to whom all submit? Everyone submits. In heaven, earth, under the earth, everyone submits to. That is the person that you want on your behalf. Do you have him as your priest? Or do you have an inferior priest to Jesus Christ? Someone lesser than Jesus Christ is your priest. If that is you, then you are lost in your sin. No one else can atone for your sin in the way that Jesus Christ has for all of eternity so that you are absolved from your sin and can have peace with God. My encouragement to you today is if, if you do not have Jesus Christ as your high priest, trust in him now. Trust that he died for you, that he made atonement for your sin at the cross 2,000 years ago. And he lives now to intercede for you before God. Trust in him today. Do not delay. Have him as your high priest. Let us speak with our God now. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that your word continues to reveal to us the greatness of Jesus Christ. As we study this hard part of your word about someone who we know very little of, this man Melchizedek, who appeared and then disappeared. But Lord, he can show us in a number of different ways the greatness of your son, Jesus Christ. And so we thank you for 
these truths that we've been able to unpack from this difficult chapter this morning and understand how great Jesus is, how he is a priest who blesses us in every way, who he, and that he is a priest who is always alive to intercede for us, and that he is a priest to whom all submit. So, Lord, we come before you again and submit to your Son, Jesus Christ, confess him to be our Lord and Saviour, and beg once again that you would forgive our sins through this great High Priest, the greatest High Priest. And, Lord, we pray that we may know your mercy and your peace and experience great blessing through Jesus Christ. And we pray this in his name. Amen.